You're listening to The Simply Flawsome Show, a podcast designed for you to listen, learn, and leverage. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. I've got a really exciting guest for you all today. Today, I'd like to welcome Marcus Taylor to the podcast. Marcus is the managing partner of TSM. The venture is a strategic move move to lead the evolution in the recruitment industry, and he's currently working on a project that is about to change the way recruitment works. So today's podcast is all about artificial intelligence and recruitment. So I'd love to welcome Marcus to the podcast today. Hi, Marcus. Hey, uh, how are you doing? I'm waiting for this exciting person to arrive. (laughs) Okay. So Marcus, first of all, would you give the listeners a brief background on your backstory and how you got to be where you are today? That's a bit of a loaded question. Um, I guess I fell into recruitment accidentally. And uh, I'll give the, the very short story. Arrived here in 2006, I think it was, uh, if memory serves me correctly. And I've been stuck in the recruitment industry, mainly in construction, uh, for the last uh, 15 years. And that's really what brings me today. Arrived here with a backpack and a laptop, and now I've got uh, two cats, a dog, a wife, a kid, and uh, in-laws. Okay. <coughs> So your business is focusing a lot on the um, artificial intelligence. Um, AI seems to be a bit of a buzzword at the moment in recruitment and in in industry in general. Um, So for listeners who are not quite sure what it is, um, what is artificial intelligence? What's the difference between machine learning and bots? Oh, As this is something that people do get a bit confused with. It's something that I personally get a bit confused with. I think I get confused with that as well. First thing, you know, the TSM, or I may remember as, as Taylor Sterling for those in the, in the industry and in construction anyway, um, this has always been a standard recruitment company, contingency and all that, the usual, usual stuff. But we decided that in October of last year, that with things like LinkedIn and, uh, well, basically there's virtually no one that my clients, that I knew that my clients couldn't get hold of. Uh, so unless it was a particular time constraint or whatever the case may be, it was especially going through another economic glitch uh, when margins are tight, I guess um, something had to, had to change. LinkedIn was a big tool for everybody to use uh, and although we've won many awards with it, most engaged, I think we've won awards every time, ever since I had it, started it in, in 2014 I think uh, it's also been a, a big thorn in our side because the attention that we get is exactly the same attention if not uh, less than what our clients get so they've kind of um, yeah, put a noose around our neck I suppose especially when the market crashed so we, we had an idea and we decided to make a big gutsy move uh, in October of last year. And it was something I'd been thinking about for quite a while, a different concept, uh, very resource consuming and time consuming, but I just had a little idea that maybe with the cost of data storage and AI, bearing in mind that 
I had no real idea what AI was. I just said, like you said, there's a, there's a buzzword out there. Decided to look into it a little bit more, and uh, we found out that it's actually it could work. So to answer your question, what's the difference between machine learning, deep learning, chatbots, and all these things? Um, I'm still learning myself, to be brutally honest with you. I spend a lot of my time, as you know, out in Kerala with the, uh, the Acubits team who have uh, joint ventured with us, a great bunch of chaps. Never known a bunch of millennials to, to work so hard. Those guys work around the clock. Um, and they, every time I go over there, it's, uh, I feel as if I should take you know, a pencil and a jotter and I should be in the, in the front row of the, of the schoolroom, of the classroom. I think everybody's shouting and bawling about AI. And I do not think the vast majority of them, even the companies we've gone to see, when we try to explain our concept, you know, our long-standing clients, they still don't understand really what AI is. Um, My understanding is that AI is basically it's machine. To put it simply, it's machine learning, where algorithms are used to reflect how the mind thinks. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the more that the whole thing about AI is, the more data it receives, the better it gets. So you look at something like. Google Home or Alexa, etc. At the start of them, they're very restricted, but the more and more that people use them and provide them data, the better they get. But it doesn't. It's not a case if you just give access to a data source and off it goes. It's got to be. It's got to be monitored. So there's there's document learning, there's deep learning, there's machine learning, um, and it does work with multiple algorithms, not just one. And uh, but it, it has to be very carefully monitored. I'll give you an example. We had to do, <laughs> we had to do quite a, uh, what I thought was going to be easy, but actually quite a difficult uh, um, task. And our guy said, look, I want you to sit down, get, you know, 20, 30 CVs. And bear in mind, I've been doing it for what, 15 years, a year back in, in Scotland. Um, and I've always actually, I've never overly enjoyed recruitment. You know, I've said to you before, I'm really bad with names. I don't particularly like people. I think rec- recruitment's up horrible name in the industry for 99% of them. Uh, anyway, down to the chase. Look at 20 CVs and go through each one and tell me exactly what you're looking at and what you're thinking at that time. That was an exceedingly difficult thing to do. I mean, it's like you, you, you want to go and put on the you know, a, cup of, uh, a cup of tea or you look through a phone bill or you, uh, you know, write yourself a letter. If you actually look at every single thing you're doing into the minute action, lifting the pen, clicking, clicking what, putting, you know, making sure there's how much water is going to be. Is it water you're putting in it? It's coming at a tap, so that's how you know it's water, or is it because you see it's transparent and it's coming from there? So you've really got to get into the little minute aspects. So when we look at a CV, uh, which is, actually CVs are the biggest nightmare in recruitment, and especially in AI, because there's no standard process everyone is different and the way we assess we're now we're now we've put that on paper or on a very very large excel sheet which has now been transferred to an ai kind of template however they do it um we're actually up to an octillion of variations that's 27 zeros i didn't know an octillion was either either but it's uh, to look at any cv and that's just construction you know that's just a, a normal you know, civil engineer and looking at every single little piece and then we realize in actual fact we scan through them so quickly we miss so much so what about most cvs that people write it 
generally not that accurate. A lot of people Can lie. I swear in this podcast? Because they are <laughs> genuinely absolute bull, yes. Yeah, a lot of people lie on them. Um, they lie about so many things, about their job experience, uh, you know, so... How, how do you overcome things like this? Right, I can't give too many secrets away here what we're doing, but you're absolutely right. And, and the, you know, uh, when we kicked off, uh, it was about five months ago, I think it was, um, I went to see uh, a very nice chap called Nigel, who is the managing director of Millennium Solutions. Uh, not, a, not a direct competitor, but he's got a good name in the industry. He's, you know, he's an ethical guy, uh, and he's ex, actually. He actually had a real job. He was ex in construction. He's here in manager for a couple of big, the <laughs> big guys. Job. A real job, yeah. Rather so, as flesh peddlers. So funny, though. No, I'll let you finish first. Go on. He's, um, and one of the things that... Uh, I was say there. Um, <laughs> when I brought him on, we had... Uh, we we discussed about what we what we looked at when we saw CVs, and he brought up, he brought up a really really cool point that only look at the first third of what someone does in their job because that's the thing they really do. The rest of it is what they want to think that you do or they get involved with, and half of the things we've got to put we've got to produce for our AI assessment system is the negative part, the negative positives or positive negative that there, and that's things like. Um, if you're looking for a CEO, let's say, or a project director, or it is, is finding out who actually was the actual person, the CEO, or were they making a cup of tea for the CEO? And it's the same with if someone's a project director, or they're working on a particular project, what really were they doing? Were they really making a decision-making person, or were they an enabler, or were they actually, you know, were they, were they just, as I said, you know, making, uh, making coffees and Kit Kats for the staff who are actually building the project? So you're absolutely right, the majority of CVs are absolute garbage, but, so are the job descriptions. Job, I'm, I'm going to write a job description this year, and it's actually in the form of a letter to Santa Claus, because it is a wish list. It's all things you really, really want. But when you're going to be realistic with it, you're going to be a best eight out of ten for what you're looking for. So we've decided to look at assessing candidates in a slightly different way. Okay. And how? What is that? Okay. <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the questions that you, you'd suggest is, is, uh, to cover in this podcast is five things that AI makes possible or advantages. Yeah, yeah. My question was, what are the benefits of using AI in the recruitment process? And are you able to give five advantages? It's fast. No, it's... Well, once it's working... And, it's, and you put all that commitment, all that data into it, which is a really difficult thing. Uh, and there's something really good looking after it. Um, in our case, we've put you know, 30 years of, re of recruitment experience into it. Um, it's really, it can be really fast. I mean, uh, when we were up and running, our, we were looking at our... By the time I put on, my, put on the kettle in the morning, my, our system will have assessed... You know, a couple of thousand CVs. If you bear in mind one job that's posted on, let's say, Bait or Knockway or something like that, or even LinkedIn, you're probably looking in a week, maybe five, maybe 800 candidates. So before I even have my cup of coffee, an AI powered system like ourselves will have screened all those very accurately 
And by the time I sit down, it will have probably started a conversation and screened probably a quarter or a third of them before I even sit down and told all the ones that aren't quite right, but yet good CVs. It'll have told them, hi, you know, great to hear from you. One way Dragon Touch, not quite right for this, but let's, you know, let's keep in contact. And it will keep in contact, unlike the lying recruiters out there who just don't because they haven't got the time. Um, and the ones who aren't right for it, it'll put them in a little pot and, and, and dealt with it that way as well. So the speed of the, the system, is the speed of AI is probably one of the best things. Accuracy, look, you can argue this one as far as you know, the, the carriers come home. Having a human being look at a document uh, and seeing different aspects of it rather than just that binary yes and no is always going to play the human being is always going to give you the final yes or no, but it's about shifting through the, all the garbage. And this is why we come back to the CV site, because CVs are made from, as you said, slightly, um, they can be a little bit of a story on them, you know, exaggerated. So it can find particular parts in that. So the accuracy thing is a really, really good one. And in actual fact, we've been doing a, an amazing uh, task um, about really deciphering content in CVs and exactly what is good. So we've been looking at the same level of seniority rather than years experience and looking at the actual job descriptions versus the actual experience and putting you know a couple of hundred of these side by side and then looking at all the words they have in common the two words they have in common the two phrases or two words put together they have in common the three words to put together them and it's uh, brought up some, some amazing things so the accuracy is a really really big one and that goes against with the with the speed i think the third one is now setting aside the actual development costs and the resorts, it's, they're really, really cheap. I mean, we will, so far with our initial gatherings, we will probably half the price of any decent sized recruitment team, half the resource, uh, which is a, a massive thing for a $500 billion industry annually. Um, we, could, we could probably take 50% off that. Wow, that's incredible. Yes, it's a, it's it's scary. That's enough. quite a bold, bold prediction to make. We're we're upsetting a lot of people. I mean, there's what we're going to do. I mean, there's a couple of people who have said they'll uh, look forward to this idea fizzling out. But, you know, but realistically, I mean, nothing's really changed in the recruitment industry since what 2011, 12, and LinkedIn really kind of kicked off. And before that, it was applicant tracking systems and before that it was monster.com before that it was emails before that it was a fax machine and i'm still one of the guys who you know has to apply for jobs looking at the newspaper and putting my cv in, in a thing called an envelope with a stamp on it and a handwritten letter you know um so it, the, the things have to change and this our system will allow it allow it to change so look at the cost of it is, is a massive thing as well uh, and i'll go into it in a, in a wee second a bit in a bit more detail which is a quite cool thing but one of the things we started with is looking at give me the let's let's draw the perfect experience as far as from a re recruiter's point of view or an employer's point of view and a candidate's point of view now i kind of stole this from airbnb from airbnb uh, Masters of Scale is my favourite podcast um, with Reed from LinkedIn, ironically enough. Uh, and look, by, by no means are we trying to replace LinkedIn. We're just, uh, we're actually complimented by it, or we compliment it, I suppose. Um, but the the experience of a candidate and having been on all three sides, having been an employer, being a candidate and being a recruiter, I've seen the horrible bits of every every side of it. 
So looking at the perfect experience, it's been a bit of an education for us. Um, but when we phone our candidates back or we contact our candidates so regularly, they are, we've got 100% satisfaction rating and we manage a thousand candidates at the moment manually with three people, full-time job for three companies. And that's identifying, targeting, full interviews and then keeping in contact with those people. That's three people, it's actually four people pretty much full-time. Um, and we're adding you know, 50, 80 more people onto, onto a week. Um, but with our new system, we can continue to keep in contact with every single one of those and one person can cover 2,800 candidates with the perfect experience. Wow. wow, that's incredible. So to summarize the advantages, we've spoke, you've spoken about cost, time. Accuracy. Accuracy. And the, I guess the, 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 the experience for the candidate, I suppose, when that, that comes into your the chat box, which we'll experience. go back to. It. And the client experience, you know. Client experience. And the last one, I think, is probably the most important one that everyone else is talking about, is, um, is seeing data trends mm. and data patterns. I was overseeing my guys in Kerala. Do you, know the, do you know the relationship between beer and nappies? No idea. Never heard of it before. I thought it was a joke. Go I really on, thought it was a, a joke. Um, and apparently there was a, a, a chain of supermarkets or they had some you know, stores and they put in their document learning and uh, sorry, they put in their, their, their AI to cover their stock and see trends, etc. Um, and it makes sense when you hear it, but there was a, there was a definite you know, relationship between people buying Pampers and people buying beer. Because all your young guys going out, having a good time, going to the pub, having beers with their friends, if you're into that sort of thing, of course. Um, well, when they have a kid, they can't have that. So they still want a beer. So they go past, they go to the supermarket, run out of nappies again, go there. And then I can't go to the pub because I've got baby bath time. But do you know what? After baby bath time, I'm going to have a beer. So there it goes. So they made a big move and they changed the, they, they changed the location to put the beer beside the, not beside, but on the way from the, the Pampers to the, uh, to the, to the aisle. Interesting. Yeah. That is so interesting that, you know, just recognizing these little trends and they can change things, like you say, like like positioning the beer really close in the supermarket to enhance sales. These, the, 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 the big data they're getting, I mean, the, even the most minute changes they can get. I mean, there's one big in American insurance companies. I think they give a million dirhams to freelancing out there or putting it out to someone who can, uh, or was even, maybe Netflix, I think, give a million to find out if it could increase the matching of what you like. Maybe like, you know, that little, if, you've got, if you've got Netflix, uh, that little percentage thing comes up, says, because you watch this, you're going to love this, that kind of thing. That's right, yeah. And I think it was, it was I can't remember exactly what it was, so please don't you know, sue me for it. Um, but it was like a million, a million dollars, or it was, if they could get like three or four percent more accuracy. And the same with the insurance companies. So this, the big data, I think, uh, is is one of the massive things that AI can certainly help with, not just reading it, but but getting it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's uh, I think that's one of, the, one of probably one of the biggest ones. It's really interesting. Okay, we've spoken about the advantages of of AI, not only in recruitment but in other industries too what would you say are the disadvantages um i think one of the recruitment thing was a big shout about is and they brought this thing about ai about how many jobs are going to be lost 
um, and everybody's kind of terrified. It well, it's, it's not really should be terrified. It just means go and get the better jobs, and hopefully that will make us evolve a little bit more. Um, I think the with recruitment, there still still has to be the human touch. You're still dealing with someone's life. They're, uh, you know, you, you, you're asking someone to commit for the next four years or so for someone's uh, someone's life. But they've, they've got responsibilities. They've got you know, salaries, especially here in the Middle East. You know, it's not nice when you're unemployed. When you're unemployed. Um, especially when you can't just pop over to you know Oman or Qatar or wherever it is to go and renew your visa. It's a it's a really big uh, it's a really big responsibility. So you have to have you have to have that kind of human element to it. Uh, so I guess that's one slight disadvantage, which we've we've over, I'm fairly confident we've overcome that because every candidate we have has uh, has got uh, has got that human co- contact as well. Um, other disadvantages of it. It can be a little bit annoying. I think you might have, you might discover this maybe yourself. I'm sure a lot of your 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 followers and your listeners that will live as well. The chatbot thing. Mm. Okay, you've got the the really annoying and the golden rule apparently now for chatbots is don't pretend you're anything but a chatbot. Yeah, the chatbots drive me mad. In fact, these days, whenever I speak to people online, my first question is, are you a human? I think my wife probably asks me that quite regularly as well. <laughs> I, I, I think if a chatbot, if it's informative, it's actually really good. I mean, I, there'll be a, there's a delivery. Communication is is what makes the difference of what we're doing. Um, absolutely. I mean, the, um, I look at all the people I've spoken to, I've dealt with, I've heard from, I've got their CV. Uh, great people just didn't wasn't right for the right right time, and it's impossible to contact them all to keep in contact with them it's impossible when you're trying to uh, when clients aren't giving you the feedback uh and you can't go back to every candidate straight away you just you just do not have the time and of course your clients don't see how they can work for like people just phoning up for like simple stuff that could be answered you know like just the routine stuff i can see that they do have a place but when you want to speak to a person um, and I, th- you know, I think we are just used to having that human touch, and we're used to, you know, just picking up the phone and and speaking to someone. But I think as 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 it evolves over time, I think I think it's maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe mm-hmm. the younger generation they're probably more tuned into the whole chatbot thing. Absolutely, but absolutely. Whereas, kind of my generation. Probably your generation too. <laughs> it's kind of you know we would just pick up the phone and you know you'd want to speak to a person, um, but quite often that person, you know, would just be answering what a chatbot could, unless it's well, something look, really mean, complicated. You've been here a while as well, as you know, in fifteen years, and I think a couple of the banks that when I phoned up and I've had problems with cards, etc., the customer service is. Absolutely, I'm a bit Scottish here, complete and utter mince. So, if you look at it, try and look at it in a different way. If you can get a chatbot to do the basic stuff, for instance, I got a package delivered from one of the, you know, the courier companies, and they sent me it on WhatsApp. 
not the package, but they said, you know, where do you want, where do you want this delivered? They said, press one for this, press two for this. What time? A.M. P.M. What? And great, fantastic. I knew exactly when it was coming. It didn't actually get there on time, but that I don't blame that. I don't blame that on the, bot, on the on chatbot. That was the person's problem. But if you can get a chatbot or some way to automate, and that's really all this comes down to all the automation, automate. 60% or 40 or even 10% of the main like mainstream calls um take 999 or 911 here you know normally in the back in the UK you press 999 someone packs up do you want ambulance police or fire engine well wouldn't it just be easy to have a, a machine that could listen to that and hear it so the actual human first of all the response time is a lot faster but secondly you could put your efforts or the resources into making actual human conversations a lot better you could reduce your team from you know 10 down to five and make them five better people or put the, the extra um, extra um i say better i mean either more able more professional or put that money towards more training more you know development for those people so there's there's i think there's definitely things that it will be able to take over and there's other things that will just continue to really annoy you yeah, and I think if a chatbot's done really well, it it can work. It can work fantastically. I sent you that example. I can't remember the name of the company now, but there was um, it was an article about a chatbot in this company, and the chatbot actually receives thank you cards yeah, from the yeah, customers. A little bit. Look, there's some weird people out there. There's some definitely some weird people out there. Because <laughs> the customers really identify it as being like a human. Well, I mean, you've got, you've got, nice, you've got a, a nice accent. And this is a kind of uh, the killer for people like me. It sounds like, you know, Scottish, let's just say. Um, and there's a couple of sort of funny sketches. But I get really frustrated because I see, you know, even I've got Google Home. And I listen to a fantastic radio station I have done for nearly 20 years or so. And it's called Radio Paradise. Um and I'd say maybe probably 50% of the time, actually more than that, oh, about 80% of the time, even I've had that Google Home for maybe two years, it still does not understand my accent. And it says the weirdest, <laughs> and I've got a two-year-old who understands more than that, you know? Uh, so there's the, you know, in, in our system it does, it does it can be, it can be voice activated, et cetera, our, our new ones, but... Um, yeah, I can certainly see. So what we've what we've done is we're trying to kind of cross that because a lot of the you know our industry construction, no offense, anyone's listening in the industry, but we're not the most advanced guys. Yeah, there's some cool technologies and it's going kind to of, get we're pushing innovation, but they were still want to make it button pressing kind of stuff. So that's what we've trying to try to do is make it really fast, really simple, really frustrating. Uh, sorry, really unfrustrating. Forgive me. Um, uh, yes, to simplify the project, so simplifying for old codgers like me. Mm-hmm. I think you've pretty much answered one of my questions, um, which was, do you think there's a place in the future for recruitment companies using traditional methods? Is AI going to take over? Now, you, you did just say that recruitment's always going to need that, that human touch, but in terms of kind of ratio, what ratio would you say in the future? Like, you know, maybe if we can look into the future, you know, let's say 2025, what what do you predict? Where do you think, where do you see recruitment and AI? What ratio would you say is going to be AI and what ratio is going to be humans? I think the question that I ask yourself is, what ratio of humans are actually going to be humans? 
I don't know if you follow the uh, all the the gene splicing and the CRISPR stuff, but that is the biggest fear I've got. I mean, they, they, you know, it was only about five years ago or something. If, if that, they managed to map the entire genome, and now they're cutting and pasting it like uh, like it's you know text in an email. So you design our babies, and then there'll be this. It, I think what we're going to be doing in 2025 at the rate of the, and the acceleration is is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, some of the things that the things that my guys in Acubits can do is utterly terrifying. And they work with so, you know they work with NASA. They work with United Postal Service and you know, Smart Buy. There's a lot of the, 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 the really kind of advanced guys, and the technologies they are bringing out. Which look, we are harnessing a lot of them. I mean, for, for instance, one of the things that we've done very differently, not trying to give you a sales pitch at all but we've we've got a really really cool board of a dire- uh, board of advisors and there's one guy Graham in particular who's an exceedingly talented chap a real big HR buff really really I mean I wish I could uh, understand half the things or even a quarter of the things that he talks about but rather than what we decided to do rather than look at assess the CV because most people look at a CV and go right that's for that's for that job project manager is for that job well our system doesn't do that. So we actually assess every single piece job that person has done against company, location, their title, their responsibilities, what they've actually done with it. And then we've done that across 20 other disciplines. So for instance, in our case, if they're how strong were they in every job in health and safety and mechanical and electrical and project management and quality control, every single thing is assessed when that job was, even though they might be a project manager all their life, but what they're actually involved with within that role and then assesses that. Then our system then looks at what environment they were, they're in. So were they working for an EMAR or an Akil or Damac or were they working for a you know, big guy like a Parsons or Ecom or Atkins or something like that or it was a contractor or a subcontractor. So looking at the actual environment of what they're looking at and then it assesses the personal sort of situation. Now I might get sconed for this but if I'm a single guy with no kids should I get more salary than someone else who has got 10 kids, who the company has to pay 10 annual, 10 medicals, 10 annual flights, etc. Well, the answer to the question, unfortunately, is yes, I should get paid more because I've made that choice. So we can then assess, and I might be more flexible in my geographical you know, options. So we assess the, the environment, we assess the skill set, we assess the actual, uh, the, the personal situation of them. And then what we're looking to do now is, uh, is actually assess the, as you were to bring up, the, the, the emotional intelligence, the agility, the actual, what is the characteristics? So identify transferable skill sets. Now we're going to find out, is that person wanting to be the best project manager there ever, there's ever been? Or is that person wanting to just go up the ladder to be a PD, going to you know, the C-suite kind of roles? So it, ours is, our, our environment is changing the way that we look at someone which the HR guys love but unfortunately the people who are actually employing them have still got a really hard time looking at it especially in our industry mm. you know they say I want you know I've known this guy for years he's going to take over this role but in actual fact is that person the right person to go for no well, okay let's assess this person in actual fact this lass over here this woman who's been doing the role for you know two years is exactly the characteristics of what it's going to take that you know that 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 role to that next move up mm. um, or replacing somebody who's gone. So um, 
it's looking at and, and it's a massive education for me as well yeah it sounds it sounds incredibly interesting just uh, touching on the AI as, EI aspect, emotional intelligence, I think I was telling you about a gentleman that I interviewed on this podcast, Dr. Dixon, and he has his own software, EmoWave, that measures emotional intelligence. And he, he says that, I think he would like to get into kind of the, the recruitment, you know, job searching, and he really feels that... Uh, I mean, I had the test undertaken and it was absolutely incredible. I had kind of like the basic test and the more in-depth test. And um, it was incredible what information that he was able to give me about me just through me talking into a microphone because it was all on your voice. That's a bit Your scary. emotional intelligence. Yeah. Like he literally took it back right down to when I was born. Um, and this was all measured. I had to speak into a microphone for like five minutes. And really? it, it didn't matter. It, the Definitely words, get me in touch with this guy. Yeah, I mean, the words that I was saying weren't, you know, weren't important. I could have been talking about mm -hmm. anything. It was just um, kind of the tonality and everything of your voice. And it was so interesting. I went into it really skeptical. But then when I had the more in-depth reading from him and he was you know saying so many things that were true not only about my personality but about my background and about my childhood and it was just so incredibly accurate and yeah and he feels that within the the recruitment process that his his um invention would you know really be able to help recruitment companies target the the best and the right candidates. I think a lot of it is, is down to, especially in the, in, in the cultural fit, not just for the company, but for the job. So one of the things that we've looked at, we, we're, we're in the next the next phase coming up in, uh, in the early part of next year, is to put little 20 second videos of the people. Um, even our interviewing side of it is our video interviewing is all, it's a little bit scary. And you know, you've, you've mentioned it yourself, people talking a bit of you know garbage especially in interviews um and especially especially over over here i mean the cost of bringing someone onto a company into a company having you know run my own company for, for a number of years now visa costs and medicals etc it's a it's a massive cost especially for a small company and our system will still look at all your micro expressions check the stress levels in your in your in your voice and just say are you talking absolute garbage or can you actually do this um some would say is that an ethical thing to do well, yeah absolutely i mean there's, it's definitely subject to error because you know there might be someone who's a little bit nervous or they might have had too many coffees to but I, i'd like to chat to your guy and see if there's some other insights that we're, we're, we're looking at putting that in, in place. yeah definitely definitely yeah, i'm sure cool. i'd be able to link you up to him So, I think we've been chatting now for about 34 minutes and we've covered quite a lot of things. I think we've pretty much covered everything that I wanted to cover here. Um, and a lot of the questions, I'm just, I did write a few questions down beforehand and I'm just looking into them. And I think we've, I think there's just one more question now actually uh -oh. that I'd like answering. So, how are you going to introduce? AI into all parts of the organization right well I think one of the things what you know we've we had this initial idea um, for this platform and it's it's going to 
spiraled out of control a little bit because mm. we listened to all you know we were around all our clients and there were some of the really really big guys and they're like ah, if you can do that you know some of the guys are like well, we're, we're going to take this globally if we can do that and that's us just talking about the basics of it um the the ai aspects i mean there's so many little things it's about you know we we, we identify the four big problems um uh, well, it's not just identifying the actual individuals, but a lot of it's just you know, keeping keeping your talent pool up to date. Um, but one of the really cool bits, this, the fun bit, is the the efficiency tools. So our system, if you if you need a new marketing manager, you just say it into your phone. Just say, I need a new marketing manager. I need them. You know, ten years experience in the GCC. I want them at this level. This is going to salary I'm looking to pay, and it will show you them just all up. Say it into your phone. Show it, it'll bring the top three. Speak into your phone, and then it's going to bring bring them up. Exactly what you're looking for. It's wow. right for you, and then you can say, well, uh, can you organise some interviews for that? And Have it you will tested do this yet? The individually, some of the boltons have been tested, mm-hmm. um, but our AI guys have given us a lot of confidence in what they've done before and what they can do. Um, and a number of them actually been a number of them actually work, exist already. The interview bots, the interview bots, etc. Um, but we are just going to do it with a slight difference. We're going to bring mm-hmm. that's a, a lot of them are spread out, but bringing these things all together. Um, but it'll you know it'll book it'll tell you if there's you know if there's rain on the way to the trade center and it'll book you an Uber you know it's that sort of I'd say to leave ten minutes early prep the candidate make sure you got all the details make sure you got a pen and paper with them even tell them how to shake someone's hand properly big problem I've got in this country wow how long has your company been working on this project the concept's been thinking for quite a while but it, you know we, we we made the big move in October uh, in all honesty we made a, a massive mistake that we uh, we had one particular company where introduced to uh, an AI solutions guys and we spent seven months and five days before they were meant to come up with the first milestone they told us they couldn't do it um, but you know this, there was a path to, to follow there and a big lesson learned um, one thing I would say about the, the AI thing in recruitment there's a lot of companies out there utilising AI and the efficiency tools are cool but um, there's a there's, there's, there's still going to be a problem and it's the, the problem is about especially in these sort of emerging markets it's about keeping the candidate informed and uh, the keeping the company in, in, I suppose keeping the details all up to date and doing it in the right way so what we've done is sat and watched all the other companies trying to do their AI etc but getting actually getting bored halfway through you know they start to realize how much it's going to cost them to start with uh, and they try and put the data in and no one's really managing the data and it's only as good as the, the, the details you give it um, and the older individual but it's still going to come up with the same problems your, your data is going to be out of date really quickly because especially in these sort of markets when there's a lot of people looking for a certain amount of, stat, a bit of talent now our system only targets this you know 70-80% of the core skill set of what a company needs it will still need this internal recruiters to, or even recruitment companies to go and look for the, the key, you know, those unicorns out there. But what we identify and what we're, we're from, a, from a still know we are entirely unique for is, well, let me give an analogy for it. Um, not being sexist here, but you like shoes. Oh, I love shoes. Shoes, right. Love okay. shoes. So I, I was trying to one of my friends there and trying to explain to him and he likes watches. So I said, uh, well, you know, I said to him, well, let's look at you. How many, 
How many brands of shoes would you say that you would like to be kept up to date with anything new or cool or discounts or sales or Christmas? Roughly how many brands? I'd say about three, three brands. Really? Only three? Only three brands... You're, okay, well, okay, yeah, yeah, exception to the rule then, right? <laughs> but even, I even, said the wrong thing. No, no, it's fine. I'll leave it as three. But he said, he said, you know, he said, that's where the watch He said, well, probably eight, maybe nine. Okay. Um, I said, right, fine. So then they tell me, said, if you're going to take another job, so uh-huh. again in, uh, in, in, in construction, if you're going to take another job, how many companies would you consider would be the right move for you to take? And he said, yeah, probably about five or six. So, so how about each of those companies phones you every 60 days or so and tells you and asks you to go through their details again? And I said, well, that's going to pee me off a bit. I said, well, how about if you only get interviewed once and a little note comes through every 60 days, like when your salary reaches your bank account and you can pop on a little link there. It'll say, are your details the same? Yes. Pop onto your profile, make sure it's absolutely lovely. Well, they're really cool, they're really precise details, even down to how old your kids are, if you've got any, because that's cost a company, etc. And you can see every company that matches that you match their criteria and you want to be considered by them, you know that each of those has got your live data and exactly how much of it and what how much interest you are to them at that point. So they may not be looking for project management, they may be looking for commercial people or marketing people. So it'll tell you exactly, so there's no frustration, you know exactly where your CV is going. Uh, I mean, there's a massive thing about data at the moment as well, GDPR. You know exactly where your CV is. It's not just going onto a website and then going to absolutely every Tom, Dick and Harry who may or may not be interested in you, but maybe some recruiter thinks they can get some cash out of it or some way. But you know, you've got complete control and complete transparency of exactly what that company is looking for and knowing that you are what they are looking for as a broad, a broad criteria. Mm. Completely changed. So rather than having separate companies come to you all the time, this basically brings them all together. Mm-hmm. And it means that you've basically got uh, not... I guess you would be, it's like the Amazon, not the place, but the website. So you go to one place to get all the things you really, really need. And I guess it's like that. When you say Amazon, no one thinks of the place. (laughs) 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 The place doesn't even exist. Uh, uh, Amazon is that huge. Do you know the, uh, one of the biggest rivers in the world is actually on top of the Amazon rainforest? On oh, top of it. I didn't know that. It's actually, it's just humidity in the air. It's a massive river. Anyway, so, um, useless inf- trivia information. Just before we, uh, we bring this to a close, um, I'm just really interested to know, like, what, what are the traditional, like, you, you've spoke about what, what AI can do to recruitment and how it can save time and that you can speak, you know, into your computer or your laptop or your phone and you know say you want a CEO or whatever and they can you know they can give you like three four different candidates that would be suitable for the role what would be the traditional method that you would have to take you know what's what has traditionally been the method that recruitment consultants take to identify these people oh you want the truth yes all right okay that's okay. I'm good for that. Um, 
I'm awesome stepping out of mainstream recruitment. Yay. Um, Okay. I mean, it's, it's quite interesting because I've just been sitting with my, 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 my business coach and my advisors just looking through you know, how, how we can get the message out for what we're doing because it's never been done before and people don't understand how it works. And I said, well, let's look at what your standard process is. Let's just look at efficiency. So are you talking about internal or are you talking about consultancy? What do you mean? By well, internal and consultancy. If you're looking for an internal recruiter, for a recruiter who's working specifically in for a for a company, uh, say I look at like Google. I mean, Google's very famous for having a really really intense uh, recruitment process with other internal recruiters. They don't use many external ones. Or are you looking for a you know an external company like uh, the big boys or even small guys? You know, the Hayes, the Adecos, all I those kind of guys. I wasn't really asking the question with internal or external recruitment in Just mind. Just a general process. I think because I'm not from a recruitment background, I wasn't quite familiar with that. So. Oh, you're close. You're insurance, so that's close enough. Yeah, yeah. I'm in one of the other. Yeah. One of the other hated. So that is selling, selling, <laughs> selling double glazing windows or used cars and. <laughs> yeah, well, there's three. I'd say there's probably three. Um, Three industries. I don't know if that's the right... Um, Feed from the bottom. <laughs> three industries in, in the UAE that have got quite a bad reputation. Yeah, and not um, just in the UAE. I mean, I've worked globally. in one of them, which is financial services. Yeah. Then I'd say recruitment. And then what would you say the third one is? Well, I would say used cars or double glazing, but I don't get... I'm not quite sure about that one no, over here. I'd, I'd say real estate. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, goodness. so real yeah, estate I, agents, financial advisors, and recruitment consultants—they're yeah. probably seen as you the, know the worst. I mean, the this, this is what they've been battling for for thirteen for fifteen years, um, <laughs> and it's it's taken me fifteen years to to really get. I mean, there's there's always going to be haters out there, but to get a reputation of ethics professionalism. Um, and I've just been put onto, I said, you know, earlier of uh, an ambassador for women in construction. It's a big thing. The gender diversity was something that we'd be fighting for for ages in a very difficult land and a very difficult industry to do that. Uh, I've also been put in the, uh, the adjudicator, being a judge for all the contractors and uh, consultants of the year, which is amazing. <laughs> no recruiter's ever done that before. Look, it's like any job. There's always going to be good and bad people oh, in and the there's industry, isn't there? Bad there's ones, always yeah. going to be bad people. Oh, like, we nationalities over here and most of them are the exactly. worst Exactly. There's always going to be bad people, especially in an unregulated market like like it is out here, that are going to give the industry a bad name. So um, let, me, let me put the process down very, very easily. Okay. Um, job comes on. Generally panic buy. Okay, you try to look through the ATS system, your applicant tracking system, and see if there's anyone you've used recently beforehand. Cut some corners. Then you're going to put adverts mm. everywhere you can. All right, then that's maybe on your internal site. You're going to put them on all the other job sites. You can then start looking at uh, you know things like LinkedIn, etc. As well, that will get you a considerable amount of uh, of garbage. You're probably going to look a bit maybe. 2%, if you're lucky, of your applicants are going to fit for what you're actually looking for. Good, bad, and different. Right. Uh, you might get guys who are pastry, you know, pastry makers and looking for, I reckon they could build the next, you know, Burj Khalifa. Um, and then you start searching for the particular people. You might go through your database, see if there's anyone there, unlikely, because it's probably not kept up to date and everybody changes their jobs and mobile numbers and you know, so often here. Um, 
And then you start going through your LinkedIn, identifying people and trying to contact them. Now that can take, sometimes it can back really quickly, sometimes it can take a week, maybe 10 days to come in the back. Uh, and then you get that short list together as best you can. You tell them, in my experience, not talking about myself or anyone to do with my company, but asking the industry, they tend to tell them what they want to hear about the job, about the situation, which is uh, not a cool way to do it. Um, and then they'll get those CVs or even they might not even speak to the person. I mean, I've known, I've just done a, 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 an article there about privacy and professionalism in the industry because of that big 200,000 leak of CVs from one of the job sites. Um, I've had guys phone me up and go, Marcus, well, why the hell's my CV just landed on my, on my boss's desk? And I say, well, it hasn't got my, my letterhead on it. But that does happen. I just sort of sat down with a guy who had his own CV with someone else's name on the top of it sent to him. Utterly, I mean, the things that they go on is really utterly ridiculous. But they'll basically get that CV, and it's not all cases, but in most of the cases that I know of anyway, because they're very KPI-driven. Um, they've interviewed that candidate for that particular job, but they've also sent that candidate to every single company who may or may not be interested. And you get good recruiters who know these are the five companies who may be interested in this person, or you'll get the not so good ones hitting KPIs who will send someone, you know, project manager of a you know consultant who works on roads and bridges. They'll send it to oil and gas companies. They'll send it to every Tom Dick and Harry out there. And then you kind of get no control over where their their CVs are going. Um, and then they generally won't get back to them with any feedback. And uh, that's the kind of scenario and then when they do actually get through the process and they organize interviews nicey nicey happy best friends forever uh all they're really particularly caring about is getting that commission in the pocket and starting over again okay but there are some exceptions to the rule there are some really good recruiters out there i just don't meet many of them okay is that rant enough yes i've got one last question for you (laughs) before um we end this podcast we've spoken or you've mentioned linkedin quite a lot during this podcast yes how successful i mean i'm just really intrigued to know does linkedin really work when you're looking for a job you know so many people especially in this region that's their first point of contact they'll go onto the job section of linkedin uh, do recruiters actually use that? Um, I know a lot of jobs are posted, but I have actually heard that it's just procedure that people do that and people don't even look at the um, the, the applications. But, yeah. It's impossible to look at all the applications. You know, you also have ATSs, are, the, the applicant tracking systems, they'll, they'll filter through, look for keywords within those uh, those applications. But it is impossible. Um, it's, and it's difficult because it's hard because you, you, you miss some really good candidates you might not need right there, but for later on. Um, if you're a job seeker, pick and choose your recruiter very carefully because you're going to disclose intimate detail about your situation, your financial, uh, your personal situation. Um, and that person is going to represent you and meant to be meant to look after you. So be very careful about looking for those people and don't put all your eggs in one basket just because one recruiter says, oh, you'll get your job with these companies, etc." Don't spread yourself around, but pick one or two. Don't pick 10 people. Um, it doesn't do anyone any good. Uh, it just becomes a, a battleground. There's more, more hassle than it's worth for the employer. So he just throws that CV aside and then gets one that they find themselves. LinkedIn... If you see a job, yes, so you'll you'll get a you may get one or two percent. You're going to find the right person. 
occasionally there's more if you're lucky. Um, but I will gather data. I mean, a lot of recruiters out there pay, and a lot of employers pay for advertising. So even if they don't want something, they're still going to put the advert up there to get the CVs so they, they might need later on. Um, generally, if it's still a recruiter, if you're out there, keep your details up to date on LinkedIn. The, the headhunter recruiter, they'll find you. So keep your eyes on the in-mails. Um, they will find you. But if you're really, really urgent and looking for a job, make sure your CV looks good. You don't really need to go and get someone to pay for it to look good. Just have a chat with a decent recruiter and they'll say, do this, do this, do that. Uh, and make it look presentable. And that's it reflects you, not edited, but make sure it looks good. Like getting a job out here is, it, it, some of this is not an easy thing. Some people always look for a Middle Eastern experience, but you just got to be at the right place at the right time and speak to the right people. Just pick and choose your employer, pick and choose your recruiter and make sure the CV looks effective but isn't full of anything that you're going to get caught out when you're at the interview excellent marcus thank you so much for your time today no, thank you really appreciate you coming on the podcast and i'd like to thank rove hotel in dubai marina for allowing us to record the podcast in their venue and for their never-ending support for this podcast uh, thanks again marcus pleasure great to see you